Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From Rubber Track Studio in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, it is going off track. Doesn't sound as cool as live, really. Well, I guess you can say, when we do a live show, we should do a live show at some point. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll have to. I mean, it's live to me right now. It is. It's happening. Uh, yeah. This, this is archived. Yes. This is history. You know, when the Library of Congress comes to grab going off track, to, uh, we're here with uh, Brad and Jonah, as always. Um they will definitely, you know, want to put this in their in their archive. Probably next to, you know, Declaration of Independence, or, um, you know, their original celluloid of Helter Skelter. I'm thinking probably one of those. <laughs> so here's the thing. So we're going to do at some point uh, live going off track. Since for the most part we talk to musicians, do we have a band? Do we have someone play? I throw it out to you, and to you, the listener. I think maybe we'll. That'll depend on where we decide to do it. Maybe you know, like full on, or do you want to do like acoustic? Because I don't know. I think it's hard to have a live podcast talking and then someone playing. It is. I really like what Julie Klausner, our former guest, did. Which she's she usually has Ted Leo and his band kind of is like he'll kind of chime in. He's kind of like the Paul Schaefer, but they'll also play songs. And uh, I, I like you know that kind of a dynamic where there's kind of both. Well, you, you, Mike, and Brad are all guitar players, and guitar players, if they sit with a guitar, can't fucking shut up. So maybe you guys can noodle the whole time? D- you know you know the joke, right? How yeah. do you get a guitar player to, to stop playing? What? Put a chart in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I dig that. Unless it's tab, then you can figure it out. Wait a minute, can you guys read music? Uh... I can't anymore. I can read tabs. That's tabs? It. No. No, not at all? No. When I first was learning, I, I I knew, yeah, I knew where the notes fell on the neck and stuff, but I've completely forgotten that. Wow. So now it's just like, not feel, but you know, like, you know if you're playing a fucking G, you're playing it's a called G. called by ear. Wow. See that? I find that just as impressive as being able to read music, hearing something and playing it. The thing is, is like, if you're <clears throat> if you're someone learning guitar listening to this, like, Sort of power chords and octave chords. Yeah. I feel like, and you'll be able to play most of your favorite yeah. <laughs> punk and metal songs. <laughs> Literally. And palm muting, and you're good. Don't you have to learn pentatonic scales and not. I mean, pentatonic's good, but I mean, that, that's I don't even know what that one, means. I just heard someone say That's probably it. like the one scale you, you, you want to know. I, I don't have a great ear, and I've, whenever I've done like kind of like 
shows where you played something that wasn't rock or punk and had to figure it out, it was torturous. Yeah. Like trying to figure out sustained chords and stuff that I just wasn't used to doing. But how do you know? Okay, I was I was listening to um, Motion City Soundtrack's new record today. Go uh, on the way here, and I was listening to the guitar sound. I'm like, this sounds like a Motion City Soundtrack guitar sound. So, like when you play that song, you know, again, you have I, I I'm assuming it's all preset into a pedal or something. So you just have to have that written down and ready. <laughs> um, there's. Uh, I think there's switching you can do where basically you have all the presets all set up and you just kind of step on a button and that's it. Like right. all the presets are set and you can just trigger them all with one thing. Now, yeah. Now, no. yeah. <laughs> back, yeah, back in the back day. Back in the day you had to hit five pedals. Yeah. And really? figure out what was supposed to be on for what song. You would song. have them all plugged into each other? A lot of guys still do it because the pedals, they like the sound of the pedals. But yeah, yeah you can get... You can get like units now that kind of do everything in one. Okay, I was I was at um, uh, Bonnaroo a few years ago. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> that right there is the definition of Bonnaroo. If you look it up in the dictionary, it has parentheses, those sounds, and then an arrow through a hippie's head. Um, and I ran into um, Austin Skaggs. You know Austin? Uh, I know who he is. Yeah, I've, I've met him a couple times. Neat dude. And uh, he's um, a music journalist. And he said, hey, man, uh, let's go watch um, My Morning Jacket play. The guitar player is using Jimi Hendrix's pedal. And I went, nothing in that sentence appeals to me at all. <laughs> in the slightest. Yeah, like, <laughs> none of that meant anything to me. the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> And that's serious. And it's like no knock against Austin, but he was really excited about that. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's. That right, was right. his main reason to want to. It's like. Why well, don't he's a fan of the band? Funny. And that's kind of, I think that kind of falls in his wheelhouse. Okay. Maybe he was big, just throwing that in there as kind of a. He's also kind of drunk. Addendum. But, well, we're, uh, I mean, like we could be breathing Jimi Hendrix's oxygen that he breathed at some point. We are! Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Never know. Now, of course, my, my favorite uh, throwback story. About um, you know Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin and all those is of course uh, one of my relatives at my wedding announcing to the entire wedding party about how Janis Joplin you know blew him. Yes, I remember that. You might not have been at that part, Brad. I, 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 it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, we're not related that we know of. That's crazy. We were at that wedding, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. Well, we were at the bachelor party too, right? Weren't you at the bachelor party? Yep. Brad was at the bachelor party. I didn't know anybody oh, at the bachelor party I except Steven. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, yes. you were at the bachelor party for 15 minutes because yeah. you met at the bar and went, oh, crap, I'm supposed to be DJing a set. Yeah. When? Right now! And yeah. you ran out. I, had to, I didn't stay very long. But Jonah is the one, one of the four people who made it all the way to the end of the night where we met up and you let me spin. Yeah. Which was loads of fun. I'm speaking of spinning. Matt Hawk. You'll figure out why. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very pleased you're doing this. Well, thanks for having me, guys. We we hopefully well, we had Dave, Dave Haas was in here. I was just talking on the phone this morning. We were oh really? Yep. Right on. We were mm-hmm. singing singing your praises when he was in. Well, here he was singing yours. So sing his. It's a lot of. There's a lot of fucking singing. A lot of singing. Can I curse? Well, yeah. Oh okay. yeah. And yeah, please cursing appropriate. No, um, I have to. I have to begin, but with an apology. I, I, I am very, very sorry for missing the explosion show with the Bouncing Souls recently. I so wanted to be there. I could not. I have uh, twin 
10-month-old girls, and I go to bed when they go to bed. So. That's awesome. I didn't know about that. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And no need to apologize, although you missed a very good time, I must say. I know. I know. So uh, follow-up to that, when's the next show? Um, there will be no show. <clears throat> as I professed on stage, I, I, I'll be quitting the band once as, as soon as the set is over. I did. <clears throat> Again. For the first time. Oh. Yeah, one, one, uh, one, one time only. And, and how did that happen? Well, I don't know if you've spoken with Brian from The Bouncing Souls recently, but he's uh, taken up the craft of tattooing. He's quite good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, this summer we went down to uh, Asbury Park for Damien's from The Explosion mm-hmm. bachelor party. And uh, we went down for a whole weekend and we got tattooed by Brian on that Saturday in the afternoon we had a few beers and then he asked us if we'd do it and since dave and i were both a little drunk we said yes of course <laughs> and uh that's kind of how it happened it's as simple as that really ah but it was good it was the best possible scenario right and was it and was it chris or sam who played chris okay all right so so, so not like not like a, a full-on reunion of all parties it was the uh well i don't like to think of it as a reunion as much as a celebration of the band's bake uh band's breakup really Oh, because <laughs> that's more negative, you know. Uh, just kidding. So, no, um, no. It, we wanted Chris to do it. I mean, the the last iteration mm-hmm. was that, and that's how we see the band now. Or Got it as it was. So that's what we wanted to do. Right Although on. We love Sam, of course. Here's my other thing. Uh, um, now you have to apologize for breaking my heart by breaking up that band. Do you uh, remember at the Knitting Factory show me coming up to you after the show, playing, going, "Please, God, don't do this." Well, yeah, but I knew that if if we would continue to do it, there would be no shows that were that good. And it's only good if you play once every five years. I found that's my new. Uh, that's what I've discovered. All right, so but, so I apologize, but uh, you know I had don't, to. You don't I had to, to move on. I'm just fucking around. I'm not really. I'm Sometimes still angry. you got to move on. I, it's it's my my wife texted me because uh, before you came in, she accidentally like misdialed and hung up on me because that's you know that's what wives do <laughs> they don't have to say oh sorry i didn't mean to call you they just hang up and uh i she texted me sorry i i, I missed out then i wrote back curses and she texted back that's a no-no which is in my house a matt hawk quote oh. it was at the knitting factory and someone threw something at you while you're performing of course and you responded you responded with somebody throw something at me that's a no-no you got to talk to the them like the children they are just kidding all 72 explosion fans uh, it's i i found you my history with the explosion goes back to i the first time i i stumbled upon Buddyhead on the internet i was like what is this site this is hilarious and i kept reading it i thought it was great and they had a list of mp3s one of the mp3s was the explosion and i went based upon the name of this band i have to listen to this band and I think it was out tonight. I think that's what the MP3 was. That free, sounds about right. Free one they, th- that you gave them to give out, maybe. I don't know how that works. And neither do I. Listened to it, loved it, went out and found everything you had recorded up to that point, which I think was, uh, I think Flash had just come out. I think. I can't remember what year it was. So then, uh, sure enough, you came to town. I was living in Los Angeles, and it was a one, two, three punch of rock and roll. <laughs> the Explosion, International Noise Conspiracy, and Rocket from the Crypt. It was a good tour. It was a fun tour. I can only imagine what that was like to open for those two bands. It was uh, it was really cool. I mean, if you take a step back and look at that lineup, it's a little bit strange, actually. Obviously, we all kind of came from the same musical backgrounds, mm-hmm. but um, 
each band was quite different from the next, um, and uh, which is a good thing. Obviously, variety is the spice of life and all that. But uh, that was a super fun tour. It, it killed me because you came out, and I'd never seen you live. I had no you know, concept of you as a front man, what you were going to do. And you... It was at the El Rey Theater. They have a giant chandelier. And you were enamored with the chandelier. It was beautiful. And we're like, the light or soul, as they say in Spanish. Wait, that means sun? And then drove into a song. Um, does that place still exist? I don't know. El Rey? Jonah? I don't know. I have no idea. I think, oh. I think it's gone through a number. I think the ceiling collapsed and they rebuilt it. I think. Probably because that fucking chandelier being too heavy. <laughs> It might look good, but it's dangerous. It's, yeah, it could have fallen and hurt some people. Yeah, who needs it's that? It's a great venue, great to see people. And then after the show, I bought uh, I like bought merch, I think, from you. I think you ran off the stage, came yeah, around. I hated to have to do that. Didn't I was have so a... sweaty and drunk. Yeah. It wasn't, I was in no state of mind to be taking people's money, <laughs> conducting transactions, as it were. <laughs> so did you make any money off the merch for that? Uh, I'm sh- I can promise you that we lost money. <laughs> I, I have a shirt that uh, that was silk screened. Actually, you guys yeah put together. It was uh, blue, and then when I bought it, there someone told me we only made a hundred of these. May have been a lie. I don't. Well, what shirt is what was on the it was, cover? It was blue, oh, and it was just silk screened like very badly. Uh, it just looked like paint rolled over at the explosion, like at a very bad angle. Like a royal blue. Royal blue. Yeah. Well, I don't. I think that may be true because. I don't think we made too many royal blue T-shirts. Yeah, it's an odd color to make. Well, it's an odd color in general. I think. Yeah, it's. Pretty, I don't really understand it, and the no, royalty like aspect. I don't understand why that falls into play. Probably because some type of royalty wore it. Yeah, I don't buy. I don't write. I don't like. That's royalty. my guess. I don't, I don't believe in it. I'm an American. I then <laughs> promptly emailed Jade Tree to ask you guys. I don't know if you remember this. If it was cool if I wore the shirt on TV. I was working at VH1, and I interviewed Nora Jones wearing an Explosion t-shirt. That's pretty awesome. She has that song. I liked that song. What She had that hit song. Oh, the, um... Don't know why you didn't come. Yeah, don't know why. That's it, yeah. That was not uh, in tune. That was off key. What? Yeah, it turns out that, that when I sang that, my rendition was off key. That's which is uh, <laughs> unlikely for uh, <laughs> such a fine vocalist, of course. When I saw her play... She did probably one of the coolest things I've seen at a concert. She covered um, Ride On by ACDC, but didn't tell the crowd. She just said, this next song is written by Young, Scott, and Young. (laughs) And I was like, this chick's badass. What the hell's going on? I don't understand. It was a great show. I'm sure. It's wonderful. So, uh, The Explosion uh, plays their last show at the Knitting Factory, and you did... In my opinion, the greatest encore I've ever seen. I've seen a lot of bands end, play their last songs, only to re- reunite a few years later um, and play Weird. more shows. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Oh, yeah. That's, I, I would never do such a thing. What? You did uh, No Revolution four times in a row. Yeah. We figured we wanted to um, leave as annoying an impression uh, <laughs> on the audience as we could, and I feel that we were successful. There was no audience. The entire crowd went on the stage, and there was no one in the crowd. I was on the floor watching by myself. You're making it seem like there are only six people at the show, Steve. <laughs> and let's be honest, it was a sold-out show at the Knitting Factory. It that means there were upwards of 100 people there. There there were. There were dozens of people there. There were dozens. <laughs> a people. sea of dozens. I, I, I called my wife from the show. I'm like, you have to get down here. 
She was like, why didn't you invite me to begin with? Like, just shut up and come down here. <laughs> Little did you know that you had so much more time of the same song being played over and over again. She actually showed up for that point and was very, very impressed. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. It was, it was loads and loads of fun. Yeah, we wanted to go out with the bang. It was a good bang to go out on. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so the, how did the name come about of the band The Explosion? I was sitting with Dave, I think, and uh, it just occurred to me, and I just said it. I said, we have to have this band called The Explosion. It's kind of uh, the cart before the horse, as it were. Um, but it's good to um, start prepared, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it uh, came about, other than it just kind of popped into my head. And um, I think that it's appropriate, because we were loud and obnoxious and explosions of those things were you pl- dangerous were you, dangerous behavior were you playing it all the time or you're just hanging out like let's form a band called the explosion um it was no we weren't playing it at all at the time um we were kind of actually both living away from boston for a short period of time and um we're planning our uh to reunite um back in boston and we convinced damien to get on board and we found dan colby um the band's first drummer he was willing to play drums, um, probably reluctantly, but he did it nonetheless. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Dan. And uh, we actually like followed through on this, uh, the idea. So it was, it was definitely a, a concept long before we actually made good on it. And who, and like, like, who were the bands that influenced you to create the sound that you did? Um, we were listening to, uh, well, uh, at the time we were listening to like The Jam and The Who and The Clash. Um, and bands like that, um, and we don't sound anything like the jam, but I think, <laughs> you know, the, the awesomeness of the jam inspired us to want to do something. Um, so I can attribute a lot of it to that. Did you ever have anybody say, Hey, you guys sound like the jam? No, never. Cause <laughs> we, uh, the jam are so incredibly talented that it would be a lie if someone said that to us. <laughs> you guys could play and play well. I saw you. I think I saw the explosion. I saw you a lot. It's a big I fan. Like we, yeah. we, we, I felt like we were on the warp tour that one year with Strike Anywhere. Yeah, the explosion. Yeah. That was fun. That I was, liked seeing your face always. Of course, right back at you. That warp tour was was super fun. I don't. I haven't been to a warp tour in a long time, and I, I don't think I would want to go to a warp tour if fun. I weren't. You won't recognize any the of the bands. You won't recognize any of the people that work there. Barely. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, I'm sure it's still a great thing for those attending, but. Um, it definitely had, there was a spirit to it that uh, was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. It makes me feel old going there now. Yeah. And, but you apparently look like you're aging in reverse. Yeah, Thanks God so much. you look young. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? Um, How so do you, you do that? You do spinning, right? I, y- yes. My friend Ryan, Ryan McGaffigan, yes. we were leaving yoga the other day, and I was like, I think I'm going to do the spin class. We go to yoga every morning. And he was like, and that was like, we're having Matt on the show. He's like, dude, you should <laughs> talk to Matt about spinning. He does it like every day. That, you know, that wasn't um, a subject that I expected uh, to be brought up here, but I will admit to this. Yes, I go to spinning uh, a couple times a week, keep my body uh, looking as beautiful as it does, chiseled, really. <laughs> if I were to take my, shirts, my shirt off, you guys would have boners. Um, but yeah, it's something I, I do. Again, it's in. not really something I wanted to um, be uh, the people tuning in uh, think about. But <laughs> On their true. podcast I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to deny that. So, you, but no, it's good to be fit. It's good. I, it's good I to think, but is it? It's hard, right? I mean, I don't want to harp on if you don't want to talk about it. No, but I'm just go. curious. Let's I've been wanting to try it. it, and I, I feel like I do marathons and stuff, but I feel oh. like everyone's like spinning is so hard. You got to stand up and like pedals. Well, it, the, running is the hardest exercise. So, 
if you can run two miles, you, it's not that hard. But it's a good workout. You definitely get your heart rate up. I, I, I threw up a little bit in my mouth the other day. That's how I knew I was, I was doing oh, it yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, that was rough. Why would you do that to yourself? Like, do you feel that bad that you... This is my thing about exercising. Is that I have, you know, normal aches and pains, but I've never felt felt physically like, ah, I need to work out. I've looked at myself in the mirror and go, ooh, yuck, you got to work out. But then I said, well, you know, you're just being vain. You're being a douchebag. You don't need to do that. You're a reasonable person. You got to understand that it's not uh, only a physical thing. I'm a fucking crazy person who can't sleep and is uh, a lunatic. And actually the exercise helps me be a little less crazy. And it makes me sleep consistently, which is very important. To me. I've said this to Jonah forever that he's nuts because he runs – how many miles a week do you run? Well, I'm sort of injured now, but normally like if I'm training like 50 or 60. How would you get injured? Running? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it was due to my shoes. I think it was an issue with kind of too worn out shoes. A good craftsman does not blame his tools. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it might be because you're running um, 50 miles a week. I think that's pretty fucking awesome, actually. So I'm not going <laughs> to criticize you the way Steven is, and I think that's great. I've considered starting to train for a marathon. I'm a little afraid of it. I did not criticize. I complimented on his mental state, which you've just said. You have to be a crazy person to do. Obvious no, it's insanity. crazy. You know what? I feel like I just get bored. Like, I feel like it's nice for a couple hours a day to, like, do something like that. I just feel like I'm like, what am I going to do now? Now, since March, I've, <laughs> I like end that. of March, I've lost 20 pounds. Well, you look fantastic. Congratulations. Yeah, you want to know how? You. I have children. <laughs> You'll never eat nor <laughs> sleep again. You have. I'm surprised that you're able to be here now. <laughs> it's. Uh, are you happy that you had... Can I ask about uh, this? Can sure. Can get into this a little bit? Sure. Are you happy? So I have this concept about children. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if I want to have children or not. It seems like a fucking lot of responsibility and i'm very immature and i look very youthful i'm as immature as i look uh as it turns out so i feel that um i don't know i don't know if it's for me but in any case i think parenthood is awesome for those who love it and i want to ask you this question are you happy that you had twins so that you have immediate sibling the child is an immediate sibling so no risk of only child syndrome um yes it's a very good question, and 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 yes, because I grew up. Uh, you have you have siblings? Yes. Yes. What are you? Oldest, youngest, middle? The oldest. One of the three options. The oldest. I'm okay. the oldest. It's okay. the uh, one. I think option one. Okay, option <laughs> one. Uh, and and Jonah's the oldest. Also option one. Yeah. Also option one. I too am option one, but um, I was option one for ten years before my brother was born. Right. So I grew up. I and I, looking back now. One thing I love about therapy is I'll look at things that I thought were happy and I realize how sad they were. Yeah, that's good. That is a good thing. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm like, wow, alone playing by myself in my room with the door shut because we've moved four times? <laughs> I thought I was having a ball that's, creating these magical that's medita- worlds. Some people call that meditation. Oh, God. Why was I crying? Um, but so when I found <laughs> out we were having twins, I was ecstatic that, that they weren't going to be alone. Uh, my wife, of course, was nervous. Um, yeah, just, I would be too because I imagine it's hard to... Get one of those bad boys out, not to mention two. Oh, luckily, uh, we had to have, with twins, uh, they usually avoid that and they just cut you in half. Um, God bless them. Man, I don't, I, don't recommend, I don't recommend either way. There needs to be a way of osmosis just to remove the child. So how far apart are they, like minutes or like seconds? Same or? time. Literally, literally the same time? Literally, oh, it, because of the C-section. C-section. Oh, okay. So it's, it's, if you want to be technical, 20 seconds. Wow. It's, it's obnoxious. Now, I wonder when some twins who are uh, born not... Via cesarean section. Mm, via, via? Yes, via the... And 
If they're born, okay, say you go in, oh, I'm having contractions, they're 20 seconds apart or whatever means you're about to get, I'm, dil- I'm totally dilated right now. <laughs> That's what um, you said when you came in. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's a shame we didn't capture it the first time. It's a good thing we got this. <laughs> I suppose that if um, you know you have one child at like eleven fifty-five p.m. and then the other at twelve oh five a.m., they have different birth dates. Technically, yeah, yeah. Do, do I wonder is that do they make it so they're always the same birthday? I think they push it. I think it's the same way. If your kid's born on leap year, leap year they know, work it out for you. They figure it out. Yeah, right, you're cool. a kid. You don't fucking care. No. Yeah. Only when you're an adult, in effect. Yeah. But um, now, you, so you're not sure about kids. Now, have you guys talked about it? Yeah, a little bit. It's expensive too. I don't know how you manage all this. I, I don't. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm a horrible parent. I'm, we're like, hey, this podcast became a monetary necessity. So, any people out there who want to sell ads, it turns out that I'm paying to be here. Uh, <laughs> for those of you tuning in, Matt's literally working. It's, it's a combination podcast sweatshop. Uh, we're manufacturing iPhones. That's how it's happening. Uh, no, it's really, really expensive. But you also find that your brain shifts and you don't really care about things for you. Like I was I was one of those people where I would buy my wife whatever she wanted. I'm like, you want that? I'll work and get it for you. Right. But for me, I am I can never really buy things for myself. I'm like, do I really need that? I'll talk myself out of anything. That's actually why I didn't go to your show. Probably. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost why I didn't go to my show too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if I'm buying a new comic book, I'm like, I need this one. I I like this writer, but do I like him that much? Your attitude has really changed since we've been comic book shopping before you had kids. Oh, because I just go buy a stack and walk (laughs) out. Do you guys uh, like Johnny Ryan? You familiar with his work? Hmm. It's very offensive. I don't even know if I should mention that I'm a fan of his work. Please. He does a thing called Angry Youth Comics. Oh, yeah. I know Angry Youth Comics. Check it out in private. I will. Check it out. And then review it. Yeah, also in private. We'll bring it back. Under a pseudonym. Um, uh, oh, you know, I don't know why this popped into my head, but, uh, years ago I wanted to create a talk show. Uh, Hey, look, we did. (coughs) I wanted to create like a television talk show with the band and everything. And I wanted you to be the band leader. Oh, that's a great idea. Now, the fact that I can't actually play an instrument, do you think that would hinder my success as a band leader i think the opposite yeah I think okay that would help. i would like you to keep me in mind for that if someday that other talk show does happen um i would like to have keep my application on the top of that pile always always in mind for that because i just uh, want to think you'd be great i think you'd be hilarious well i think that would be fun i think it'd be lo- loads and loads of fun and the other thing is that for that warp tour that what that we were all talking about we were on um i missed my flight to get out there and <clears throat> people at Fuse were just livid at me, and it was it was just an, it was an obnoxious chain of events. It was just a really <laughs> crowded day. Uh, partly my fault, partly the airline's fault, partly whatever. So there was a chance I wasn't going to be out there and make it to do all the interviews. And people were trying to figure out who was going to take over, yeah. and submitted you. Yeah, I like that. Thank first, you very much. First name on the list. I thought you would have been that. great at it. I uh, I remember that you mentioned that, and I I've always appreciated that. Actually, I, I wonder if I would have done a horrible job, though. So it may have. Uh, I don't think so. There's enough to do. Just talk about free vans. Yeah, talk about with the bands. What are you doing? Uh, I work at a graphic design firm. Right, I'm a graphic designer, art director. Right on. Which is great. Um, I wake up very early in the morning, much like yourself. 
I said last night because I took the day off so I could kind of do some things and I'm actually working on some artwork on the side for Dave Haas is releasing a series of seven inches that maybe you spoke of uh, when he was here. No, we got way off track. <laughs> As, well, that probably means it was good. Um, he is, so I took the day off to, to finish up working on, on those and then come here. But uh, I, I, did, I said I went to bed last night. I said, I'm not going to set my alarm. I'm just going to sleep in. 6.45. Bing. Woke right up. How do you, get- you been living in New York for a while? Because I assumed you were coming from Boston or something. No, I've lived in New York for 10 years. Wow. I didn't even realize that. I, I thought it was seven for like the past three years. <laughs> Turns out it's 10. And how did you get involved in graphic design? I was uh, I studied it while I was while the band was forming in in the band's early days. Um, and I was we moved to New York, Joanna, my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, and I was going to go to FIT and then uh, and finish my degree, but then we Virgin came knocking, so we decided to pursue that. And then once the band ended and uh, I had no money and definitely didn't want to be on tour anymore, um, I got back into it. Right so I've been on. doing that for a few years now. Well, cool. Yeah. And you're fun. digging it. Oh, yeah, I love it. Right on. So now, now, now is what you're wearing right now this moment, which is fascinating. No, uh, <laughs> I mean. What are you wearing? I mean, is it a suit kind of job? Are you allowed to just be you or? No, I, well, I mean, I have hand and neck tattoos. It's not there. Obviously, there's some. Exactly. There's some leeway. No, no, it's not a suit job, but I like to, you know, I like to present myself in, in a decent manner. Mm-hmm. Show off my body and all that. Pompadour's looking good. I'm going to rip that off. It's not a, ladies and gentlemen and listeners tuning in, this, uh, it's not really a pompadour, yeah, but it, it is. is a very stylish haircut. It is too. I pom- get my haircut right up the street at Tom Katz Barbershop on India Street in Greenpoint, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 20 bucks, and they'll do you right. We'll take the advertising where we can get it. I was going to try and knock two birds with one stone, or kill two birds with one stone, and uh, go over there after this, but they're all booked up, probably because of plugs like that. <laughs> During uh, the... the- uh, previous foray into words conversation, you mentioned Virgin came a calling. Now, I want to touch on this Let's because on you, uh, the explosion, uh, like my friend Matt and his band Kill Hannah, who was mm-hmm. on Atlantic, uh, are what I like to call uh, tragedies and travesties of the music industry. That's uh, that's really, I'm so glad that that's how you think of it. That, that makes me feel so great. You, Virgin came and you put out, uh, I love the record, Black Tape. Yeah, I don't think it's a very good record, actually. I'm going to go ahead and be honest about that. You've talked about that. Yeah. I think it's a great record. I mean, if I was going to go in order of Explosion Records, I'd put Flash first because I love it. Um, and then I put Black Tape right after it. Listen it's, to, it's a mistake, but that's okay. That's your opinion. It, it sure is. <laughs> it's you're the band, I'm going to argue. Uh, I've had the same argument with Fat Mike. About which record? He, he thinks the best no effects record is So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes. You Literally. think it's Punk and Drublick. No, I don't think it's Punk and Drug. I actually like Heavy Petting Zoo. Mm. I think Punk and Drug is a very good record. It is a good record. Yeah, Punk and Drug looks good. I like The Decline the best, but I don't know if that would count as a full line. He has a passion for puns, uh, and I share that passion, so I have a deep respect for him. Yeah, pun, pun's good. I, the Decline is my favorite song, but yeah. I think you can't really f- fault that. Uh, regardless, so uh, Virgin comes in, and they... Well, what happened? Well, they came in. Um, the band was starting to slow down a little bit, um, so it was a good, it was good and bad. Uh, and bad. Um, they came in. A number of other labels came in with an offer. There's a little bit of bidding war, which you know makes you feel really great about yourself for mm-hmm. a second. You get a lot of dinners and lunches, don't you? Yeah, you do. And uh, then they then they stop coming. Um, so they came. Uh, we were unsure what we were going to 
do, if we we're going to continue on or not. So it, it allowed us to do that. Um, I don't think that it was – I don't think we made a bad choice. I'm not sure if we were ready, ready for, for uh, what it meant to be on a major label. Um, I don't think that we were able to kind of think about it in those terms. Um, what a you know what a band on a major label is or is supposed to be you know what the perception is. So uh, I think that we made a mediocre record uh, and released it. Um, I don't know if we th- if we thought it was mediocre at the time because you know you're in you're in, when you're in the moment you're thinking about this one thing you're very inside of it. But uh, taking a step back, I think that's. Uh, I don't think that they gave us the promotion we deserved, and I don't know if we necessarily gave them the record they deserved, to be quite frank about it. Whose call was it to put No Revolution on there? Uh, it was not our call. I was gonna... uh, we, were, it was a, uh, we were forced into that choice, um, and it left a, a, a bitter taste in my mouth. I, it, it's, a, it's, first of all, it's a great song. I don't know if it's such a great song that it, we... we need to re-release it it's good because it exists as it does on that on flash 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 mm-hmm. um re-recording it seemed foolish to me uh we fought and fought and you know this is the reality of a of a major label like as as much as you are in control and or want to be in control uh you know you get forced into some things you don't want to do and that was one of them uh so a and r made that choice uh our a and r guy was super nice guy i have nothing but respect for him except for that little moment well, they made a video for it and yeah i've were, never seen it you were, think of that you were very angry about it yeah well because we when we got the video we're like well the explosion we're playing it we played the shit out of it um, i've never I'm, seen it yeah well, i don't want to see it you'd hate it especially as a graphic designer you would hate it yeah it's music videos what a fucking weird thing that is isn't it bizarre yeah these guys named uh what were their names smith and boren i think with these Video directors at the time um, that the video uh, that the black tape was coming out, mm-hmm. we shot a video for "Here I Am," mm-hmm. um, which we ended up reshooting with John Lacroix and our friend Smith being the star of that. Yep, um, awesome guys. Um, the first iteration was done by these guys, and we spent like like eighty grand or something fucking ridiculous amount of money on it, and it was just it was just complete garbage, almost literally because we shot it in like a, this dump or this scrapyard in Los Angeles, and. Uh, they gave us back the first cut and it was just like like literally half second uniform half second cuts it is i mean it was like it would induce seizure for most people and so that was a complete waste you know that's the what and they just threw it and you they just you and the label just threw it out like let's do another one yeah i mean it was unusable like it's, it's amazing you give someone 80 grand and they return something that's completely unusable that's awesome thanks Kind of, that kind of like sums it up, actually. Yeah, it, it kind of does. For Why a lot do you of hit things. the record so much? Because I really like that record, and 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 you you are the artist behind it with the band and whatever. But like, yeah. what what would you have done differently with that album? Um, well, I don't hate it because to I don't hate the record. It's not your favorite. It's but you not, like it's it. not my favorite, and I it's it's not as strong as other things. It's not as strong as the record that we just released, which I imagine we'll get to. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, I, it just doesn't. Um, I, we spent too much time on it. Um, we spent okay. too much time recording it. We spent too much time being told to worry about things that we shouldn't have, like like how the single sound and all these types of things. Yeah. And it wasn't a natural process. It was very kind of regimented in terms of, of 
the label wanting to release the record at a certain time, which is common of of independent labels and major labels alike, mm-hmm. but uh, it just didn't feel natural, I don't think. Did you like it at the time, or is it retroactively you kind of are like, eh? I think I was reluctant at the time. I think that probably, again, like when you're in the moment, you it's hard to see the forest for the trees or whatever. They, is that how you say that little adage? I think so. All right, cool. It sounded to me like you said the forest for the trees, which I'll take. Okay, whatever. You guys, uh, those tuning in, you know what I'm talking about. Um, hey, So, yeah, I think it was hard to see it for what it was, maybe. So I don't think I hated it at the time. Um, it was an awesome experience, though, recording that record. So, well, I, I, the record itself is not my favorite. We recorded it in Idaho in this town called Athol, or Atoll. I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. A-T-H-O-L. Sounds like asshole. Um, <laughs> but it's in the mountains. It's like northern Idaho is this, it's kind of lake territory, and it's fucking beautiful. And this family has like 300 acres of land, and they built this beautiful studio. Um, they moved from California. So we got to spend three months in northern Idaho, um, which was a very cool experience. Who made that call? Uh, Jason, the, the Jason Carmer, the guy who produced the record, who's awesome, mm-hmm. um, had a friend, I forget his name, it's Chris something, who's like a famous studio builder. And the people who had started the studio, he's like from Los Angeles, I think. Mm-hmm. They got him to design and build the studio. Uh, and Jason, the producer, was friends with him. So he knew about this new studio, and no one had recorded there yet. So we uh, we got in on the ground floor, as they say. Um, I think we got a deal and just kind of test out that studio. Just people knowing other people's house. Did you live at the studio, or they have? Yeah, they had a. They had a. There was a building in which the studio uh, lived, and then down the road, but still on the property, there was a band house. So we all lived in. It was like one of those. You get out there, and they have like on the highway. There's, there's like all these places that they're like car dealerships, except they're houses. These prefab houses. So they plopped one of those down, and that's where we lived. Felt like living in plastic, but it was fucking fun. Right in the middle of Idaho. So would you go yeah. out to like bars at night and stuff, or were you all kind of sequestered in this area? Most of the well, time? there was nowhere to go in the immediate area. We'd have to. The closest place to go was probably half an hour, and then we'd go to some other to some other bars in um, Coeur d'Alene, which is well, what's interesting about this portion of idaho is that it's very very wealthy it's because of the lakes so many lakes it's like there's lots of resorts and stuff so like arnold schwarzenegger has a house there um mm. in a town called sandpoint we were right between sandpoint and Coeur d'Alene. There, there's these very wealthy places where people go vacation but you know from the northeast you don't ever hear about it yeah so um anyway yeah we go to a couple places and drink a lot and it was fun but mainly we just stayed on the premises and played poker and recorded right on so during the process you're making this and well that see that's interesting because i thought you're gonna say you weren't having any fun but it sounds like you had a lot of fun recording yeah we did mm-hmm. the experience was great the product <laughs> was uh not reflective of that oh bummer no i hate it <laughs> i'm gonna go take my explosion dog tags that's right i have a set there you go well, you don't need to get rid of I mean, if you want to sell on ebay you probably get five bucks bro what yeah. shit i can yep. use that Five bucks buys a lot of pennies. Wait, yep. what? Were you guys ever in like any weird like movies, like th- being a major label punk band, like like the explosion poster on like the adolescent ki- angry kids door? I hoped so. I'm not sure. I, there was something. Oh, you know what? We had a sticker in the. Um, our friend Carol from Toronto was 
a producer on the show, um, Degrassi, The Next Generation. Are you guys familiar with the yeah. show? Yes. Great show. Great show. Mm-hmm. Got to visit the set. One of the highlights of my life. But um, I think there was an explosion sticker in in that show. But I'm not. I don't know. That's a great question. I don't. I'm not aware of anything. But I tend to to not seek that stuff out. So uh, those of you tuning in, if you know of, of any of this uh, of these types of placements, please uh, email Stephen. He'll pass that information along to me. I remember watching uh, Bring It On, which just had its tenth anniversary, and there's a the, the the rock and roll kid in the movie Bring It On has a Rocket from the Crypt poster in his room. That's cool. Is that a, is that the dance movie? That's the cheerleader movie. Cheerleader movie, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I feel like High Fidelity has the weird like High Fidelity has a bunch of APs in it, and then it's got I know it's filmed in Chicago, but it's got so much gratuitous Victory Records stuff. There's no way there's like huge integrity posters. No, I and, think that. Um, uh, okay, so I might be wrong, but I think Tony Victory owned a record store that they oh, really? used to film. So I think the the location they they used for the the store in the movie was actually. A Victory Records store. That would make so much more sense to me. <laughs> so maybe they maybe they plastered it all up for the sake of the movie, but there's, I think, a very good chance that it would just happen to be there and it was probably too much to take down. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. The more you know. Well, the more you might know. That might, I might, that's what I've heard. You might have completely made that <laughs> up. Give it the Wikipedia so, amount of attention. So you record the record. Um, sounds like you spent, sounds like you thought it was overproduced. Or, or, or. Uh, I didn't say that. Not overproduced. <laughs> no. I, I do think it was a little shiny sounding. It's a little yeah. shiny. You got it. But I'll, that's okay. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with things with wanting things to sound good. Right. Um, you know, like Jawbreaker, Dear You sounds fucking awesome to me, but people were upset upon its release. The first time I heard that record, I, I hated it. Oh, it's fucking great, though. Oh, it's a wonderful but record. I don't think there's that anyone should uh, should you know criticize bands for wanting their music to sound good. And clear, and as it should, it doesn't mean it needs to sound like you know bubblegum pop, but mm-hmm. it should sound good. I saw this interview uh, with Mike Ness recently. I, apparently, I have Direct TV, and they have this channel called the Audience Network or something like this. I don't know if this happens on other cable TV. They do this thing called Live at Guitar Center on in Hollywood, hmm. and I saw that Social Distortion was on it, which is you know one of my favorite bands of all time, and it was oh, so I tuned right in, of course. As people do, they tune in. Um, on DirecTV on satellite? Yeah, I'm tuning right in. There's no tuner on a satellite. So I was watching it, and he, they played some songs, and he was, gave an interview afterwards, and you know, he was just talking about the band, and you know, he said this thing that, was, that kind of resonated with me, and it was, I, I can't remember the quote verbatim, but it was something to the effect of, like, you know, we are in a punk band, but there's a level of professionalism that we always wanted to keep. And... Uh, I thought that was that was a very cool thing, the kind of cool perspective to have. Um, like if Mike Ness is saying that it's okay to have a level of professional professionalism, then then it is, you know. So um, whether or not it was overproduced, I, I, is, is I suppose debatable, but I don't think that it's it's a bad thing. No, for it to want to sound. Good. I don't think it was overproduced. I really like the record, and we're going to fight now. You just want but, Matt to think that. I want Matt to <laughs> feel exactly how I feel about the record that he made that I'm just a fan of. <laughs> Because that's fair. That's totally fair, I think. <laughs> so, there is an Explosion record coming out. Yes, there is. That I have. That you have. Um, it's We actually recorded that record. So we're on Hope Street. And mm-hmm. if you walk to Union, you know, Hope becomes Power Street. Mm-hmm. We recorded the record right there. Yeah. Um, 
It's called Bury Me Standing. Mm -hmm. It comes out on February 14th on Chunksaw Records. We'll have to make sure this is... This airs on people's FM dials. Yes, yeah, so they can tune in. Correct. Um, yeah, it's uh, we're, we're psyched. It, you know, it's pretty amazing. We had a really good lawyer. So when we got dropped from the major label, we um, he had written this awesome contract for us that allowed us to keep the record if we if they didn't release it, um, which is pretty amazing. So you know, it's been sitting around for five years. We finally decided to Did just, get the masters too. Yeah, everything. That's awesome. That yeah. is a good lawyer. Jeez, yeah. who's this guy? Steven Sessa. Right He's on. The best. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, it just sat around for a number of years and we were talking about releasing it ourselves and I, it, you know, that requires a lot of energy and funding and we didn't have the energy or funding. Well, was, to do wasn't it. it, wasn't, uh, Vinny Paper and Plastic going to put it out for a bit? Uh, y- yes, but that didn't happen. Didn't happen. Oh, well, obviously, because Chunks was going to, well, I mean, Chunks is a great, I mean, uh, that's a great fit for it. I agree. <laughs> um, so it's exactly the same as it would. I mean, did you guys tweak anything or remaster it? Mm-hmm. Or it's master. It's the masters that we made five or six years ago. Um, we we pared down the track listing quite a bit. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, maybe filler on there that we we got rid of, um, and so we we made it a, con- a kind of more concise. How many songs? Thing. Uh, 12 or 14. Okay. can't fucking remember. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like, because I do, I do have a copy, and I can't recall who I got it from. Probably Debbie or Rusty. Yeah. One of the two. Um, someone you had handed them to, and were like, you like this band, right? I'm like, fuck yeah. Give me this. <laughs> it's a good, good, we don't want it fucking, the tainting our home anymore. Uh, so the record's finally coming out, and Chunksaw. That seems obvious. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were really cool and and really excited to to do it. Like they were very enthusiastic, which made us feel good. Um, and they got it done like that. I mean, we handed them the stuff, and next thing you know, their records. I mean, they produced like two hundred copies of of the record on vinyl for us to have at that show. Um, Damn, I wish I'd come. Maybe to that more. Show. Yeah, we sold them all. I couldn't believe it. Right on. And uh, so yeah, it's good. And uh, why do you say shit like that? Why do you say like I can't believe it with your band? Well, because I'm um, honest and a realist. We never... I mean, there are people who love our band, and I think that's fucking awesome. I mean, to have even, you know, 10 people care about something you do, I think, mm-hmm. is, is really great. And there are more than that, obviously, that, mm-hmm. that cared about the explosion. But we don't... Ha- we didn't ever have a huge following. I mean, um, there was... We never... We could play shows in small clubs and sell them out in a, a handful of cities across the country... And so, you know, I've, I'm conscious of that. Um, I'm not saying it just to be self-deprecating. It's just mm-hmm. the truth. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time. People didn't need to... There was no reason, really, for people necessarily to be excited about it, but they were, and it was really good. Yeah, I've I heard nothing but good things about the show. Um, Dave Haas and I both agree. Uh, you are one of my all-time favorite front men. Oh, wait, thank you. I'm going to blush. Some, you <laughs> should blush. Because you, you had this way with the crowd that was part humor, and uh, you call them savages, which just kills me. And I asked you True. about it once. I said, I said, well, you know, what, what's it like being a front man? And you said, I'm quoting you, oh, it's the most boring thing ever. <laughs> well, you have to wait, like... When you're not singing, you have to listen to those people play their instruments and you stand there and figure out what to do. You look like a fucking doofus. 
It's not. I guess that saying. I think maybe I. I was lying when I said it's boring. It's definitely not boring, but mm. it's something. <laughs> but did you feel like was that like a character you turned into when you're on stage, or was it just kind of you kind of heightened? Or yeah, well, I mean, I suppose anyone heightened is a character right. in some capacity, and I think it was definitely uh, definitely that it has to be. Um, you know, the reality of 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 doing anything of any type of performance is that it's just that it's a performance. Um, you are trying to entertain people and audience. So unless you're true, like if, if you are an idealist and you only want to hear your music and you sit in your basement and play it, that's fine. As soon as you go out in front of people and do it, you've got to put something on a little bit. What's the point otherwise? Because reality is boring. I mean, right? That's why people, you have to make something but I think that, that I agree, but I feel like a lot of bands think the opposite. Yeah. I feel I'm like, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to do this. And, you know, they're kind of hunched over. Like, I feel like, you know, a lot of bands approach it the opposite way. Okay. Well, I would maybe suspect that those bands aren't necessarily being honest with themselves or the, uh, those tuning in. For sure. But, I mean, I thought you were great from I mean, I love watching, like, the Hives or bands like that. But I feel like there aren't a lot of frontmen sort of... Want to be who understand what it is to be a front man, you know, like, exactly. like, like you, it's someone told me years ago, like it's a show, like, like you're playing it, you show like you, you could, you could go Andy Partridge and just record your records and not perform. You could sell them and that's fine. Right. That's a fine way of making a living. But if you want to go out and tour and perform, which is how most bands make livings nowadays, right. um, not through record sales. It's go, because out. the music industry fucking collapsed. You mean what? completely? Yeah. It turns out it did. That's way weird. to go guys. Way, way to not, uh, <laughs> forecast that internet having an impact on the fucking industry which you've ruined wait a minute instead of changing the way they do things they're going to go after the fans why would they do such a thing oh i, I don't know it seems pers- uh, totally reasonable to me that's bizarre oh yeah it's it's really fascinating to watch i think that as it moves forward that it's going to be more people just doing their own thing it's going to have to be not dealing with labels and and it's going to be subscription based you know, music. I like subscription-based music. Yeah. Actually. It's like you join the fan club, you're this, you're going to get shit you don't get anywhere else. It's going to be great. I remember I did like one of those summer things at Berkeley when mm-hmm. I was like 17. And I went to a lot of shows in the Middle East in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't scared then, but looking back, it was like the most violent shows I ever had seen in my life. Like to the point where like I have to stop the show like 15 times because of fights. I mean, did yeah. you feel like... When you were playing shows or growing up in that scene, did it feel super crazy to you or did it just feel like any other city, but then you go other places and be like, this is not as crazy? No, it felt pretty normal. I mean, we like, I think a lot of that was happening um, kind of at hardcore shows. There's kind yeah, of a that's divide true. I was going in Boston. to see like In My Eyes and stuff yeah. like that. So that didn't necessarily affect us, but I mean, I saw it. No, it didn't. I think that I was, uh, I don't know. I never, it never got to me. And I'm not condoning it or right, or, right. Uh, you know, condemning it, but it, yeah, it wasn't. It didn't affect us too much. It's weird. It didn't. It's so weird though, because like I would be standing in front of a pit and there would be people fighting, and I would be right there and I would be not scared at all. Yeah. And today I'm like all the way in the back, and someone bumps into me. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, because you were young and dumb, and that's yes. great, fearless, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're not dumb. I'm not saying that you're dumb. You know what I, mean. I was then. When you're young, you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be true. Your, t- your 20s <laughs> are the dumbest 
years of your life because you think you know everything. You don't know anything and you do shit that you're surprised. I know we've all had moments where like, and I lived. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm not unhappy to be out of my 20s. Yeah. I've got to say. I'm never one who's kind of said, oh, those were the the best days I'll ever have. What a horrible way to think about life, right? <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think anyone can, would consider me an optimist, but uh, I'm happy that I'm not in my 20s anymore. Uh, it, it's, how old are you? Uh, 34. I'll be 35 on February 28th, two weeks after the release of Bear Me Standing on Chunksaw Records on February 14th. Send all gifts to Million Dollar Matt. Hey, where'd you come up with the name Million Dollar Matt? Uh, it was given to me in high school by a friend in, at you know, bowling. Bowling has like a, some weird, like, um, deep sentiment throughout my life. I met Joanna, my wife, um, bowling, and th- that nickname was given to me. My friend typed it in as my name for bowling. Because, you know, you don't ever put your name in. You put, like, cocksucker <laughs> or, like, ball hair. Um, he put in Million Dollar Matt, and it's it's a pretty good nickname. Yeah. I'm a little bummed that I didn't think of it myself, but I suppose it's better that I didn't give myself a nickname it's better in fact i always thought you gave it to yourself and i respected i respect both ways i I, i'm glad that i i think that i can read between the lines and saying that there is a lack of respect before but i appreciate that there is more now no there no there was just as much respect before because i was like of course he would call himself million dollar matt it's a great front man name so it didn't heighten the respect no it it, just now it, it matched it oh it met your expectations look at look if i if i i was hoping to overwhelm you (laughs) If if we look to our right, if you tune in, you can listen to our respect metronome. <laughs> it's right in the middle. In the middle. See, they called <laughs> instead of calling him Jim, they called him Iggy because the band was the Iguanas. So that's where Iggy Pop comes from. And right. He added the pop later himself. Let's see, whatever. I digress. Um, I wish I had had a cool nickname. You ever. do, Stephen. Stephen. Stephen Smith. It's the worst name. I should have changed my name years ago. No, it's good. It's a good name. What are you crazy? Alliteration. I hope your middle name starts with an S. My middle name it does start with an S. It's does it name. count as alliteration if it's three? I've never known the answer to that. Well, my middle name is Stephen. Stephen Stephen Smith? My first name is Jeffrey. Oh. But my parents... You're fucking blowing my mind right now. <laughs> That's bizarre. My parents called me Stephen my whole life my mom thought that was cool it's, and she someone it said cool. it's a southern thing i don't think it's a southern thing i think it's just my mom being ridiculous that it would be cool for me to go by my middle name and ruin my life forever so that forever when i go to school jeffrey no it's steven steve <laughs> no steve there's two <laughs> shit <laughs> office they I, I mean i suppose they are two fairly common names so to demand <laughs> one over the other would seem yeah. a bit strange steven maybe. smith is the most common it's more common than john smith which is my grandfather's name is it? How is that possible? Uh, just, just mathematically. Oh, okay. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess numbers game. If you like, look up. There's more <laughs> mathematically. St- there's more Stephen Smiths, and I, I just should have changed it years ago. I think I would have had a much stronger career. I don't think that's true. Come on, give your name credit. It's your name. No. Own that. Is no. it weird meeting other Stephen Smiths? Or not at when all? When I was in high school, there was five of us. Wow. And one of them was one of my best friends, and we had to put our initials down for everything so for high school people would call me j steve you'd figure at that point you would have started going by jeffrey i would i would think no i kind of like j steve oh that's what everybody called me and he was steve t 
<laughs> and that's how people referred to us for years. Because any people in high school, everyone called me Steve because I wasn't comfortable enough to like correct anyone. People would right. say, you like Steve or Steven? I go, whatever. And people would always go, Steve. Right. So now I go, now people are like, what's your name? I go, Steven. And people go, okay. I was wondering where, where the Philly connection came in. Was there a lot of you from yeah. Philly? Well, Damien and I are best friends from high school growing right. up. He moved to Boston to go to college, and I was directionless and um, young and unaware of how life should work or needed to work. So I just kind of followed him up there. I said, I'll go up there and live there too, which was a good choice because we had a fucking blast. But uh, that's how I ended up in Boston because he was going to school there. All right. And then uh, we, we moved into an apartment, um, and uh, that's how I met Dave. Dave came with the apartment, <laughs> which was good. It was a good find. <laughs> And then, uh, and then, uh, Sam, um, Sam was from Boston and he was in, um, as you know, a band called the trouble, which was an, an amazing, amazing band. Did not know that, but yeah, their band is fucking awesome. Um, and we were friendly with him and, uh, the trouble, uh, he started playing with us and then he became a full-time member of the band. Who who is, how did, who was like the songwriting wellspring of the explosion which was it was it a collective was it yeah it was it was um definitely probably more of a group effort than other bands but um dave and sam had a lot of of songwriting input um as did i and but everybody i mean we definitely i mean obviously you know you it's a lie to say a group of people can write a song really one person has a mm-hmm. song and then well you know you either add to it or you don't um, but I, th- I, th- I think it's fair to say that we, uh, it was, it was pretty collaborative. Do you find that, were you the responsible for lyrics? Uh, some of them, not all of them. All right. It was a collaborative. Do you, do you ever sort of think about, you know, obviously the luck going on now, but just like starting another band for fun, not to sort of make it or, or just. Yeah, actually I've been talking with, uh, with, uh, some people about doing a hardcore band. Um, uh, Dave Haas being one of those people actually, um, just just quick fast songs like kind of sound like you know i really love that nerve agents ep um because it's just fast and it's kind of got that cool california hardcore thing where there's like a little bit of a a hint of hook and you know like not pop sensibility but kind of something akin to that and uh it's definitely not pop music don't get me wrong but um yeah just something that's fast and fun you know just knock out 10 songs and be done with it but you wouldn't want to tour anything. You just want to no. keep it. I mean, I would go to like I would go play shows in L.A. Mm-hmm. if people flew us there because I like going to Los Angeles. <laughs> and you know, like it'd be one show every once in a while, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I could get shit faced and not have to worry about getting in a van the next day. That'd be nice. I think that's the best way to like. If I was ever to play music again, which I haven't in twenty years, but that would be it. Be like, oh, we're in a band. We play around where we live. Every couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. It's fun. That would be even too much for me. I think, like, <laughs> I think what, what would happen with that, with in that concept that I'm talking about, is we would play a show in New York, maybe New Jersey or Philadelphia, and San Francisco and Los Angeles. So four shows. And break up. And break up. Perfect. It wouldn't even be a breakup because it would be planned, I think. <laughs> That's how it makes it not that. Make it finite. Yeah. Wasn't there something online that said uh, you're in a band called The Blind Spiders? Yeah, I don't know why that is. I think that's on the Wikipedia page. I think it's just uh, there's probably someone who shares my name who's in a band called that. That just ruined my day because I was like, what? There's a new band? Oh, God, no, I have to I find stuff. That is. 
don't know what that is. The blind spiders. The blind spiders. The mind spiders is it? There's the mind spiders. Yeah, yeah. that's Um, one of the dudes from Markman. Markman. Um, uh, They have a new record coming out. Bury me standing. Comes out on February 14th on Chunksaw Records. Nice. It's going to be great. Hey, did you do the artwork for it? I did. Right on. Yeah. And did you do any artwork for previous incarnations, or is this your first foray into it for your band? That was my first foray, foray into it for the explosion. Um, Damien had done a lot of the. Damien's an awesome, awesome designer and artist. I have one of his pieces of in the, my home. Yeah, he did a lot of the stuff. Um, yeah, he's got a studio in Williamsburg, a screen printing studio, so mm-hmm. he's still, still at it. Gave me one. I framed it. I still have it. It's one of the. It's the chick with the glasses from the Flash, Flash, Flash yeah. cover. It's uh. He was in a show, I guess it was a while ago now, but um, he did some prints for a show that happened in Guanas at the, this art space in Guanas. Right on. That was great. He, he, had, he had a lot of art that hung on the wall for the Untitled Rock show that disappeared. And I mean that in all <laughs> sincerity. I don't know where it went. The set got torn down so many times, and I feel terrible because like, can I get some of that back? I'm like, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> think I might have one. I don't think people should have expected to get it back. No, but you know. But you don't want to just go in the dumpster. Yeah, you don't want to just get tossed, or you know. That's a good point. I like to think that the local one crew guys got it, who should at least get something. Yeah. Out I mean, of it. other than their high salaries. Just and, kidding. And union benefits. I don't know if they. Get, <laughs> I don't know if they got paid. I don't know. Fucking socialists. Which, will it on the interns if you're going to will it on anybody? Yeah, give it to the interns. Yeah. Yeah. The interns got it. What the 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 right the right wing conservative socialists? That's right. The local ones, yeah. <laughs> they were good to us. Yeah, um, conservative Marxists. Well, I remember when they went on strike, they were like, whose side do you want, Stephen? I went, yours. It's probably, I'm sure, the right answer. Whatever you need. <laughs> well, I was part of a bunch of unions for a while when I was living in California, so. You yeah, have to those like, guys probably had knives. <laughs> yeah, they all, they all usually, had. It. Usually you side with the guys with knives, I think, is a rule. <laughs> you don't cross the picket line because you get shanked. Yeah. Um, so... After uh, Bury Me Sandy comes out February 2nd on Chunkside Records? Mm-mm. February 14th. Fuck. February 14th, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> shit. Uh, those of you tuning February in. February 4th. Shit. <laughs> Four- I've Dad's already, birthday I've is already mentioned it. Th- yes. This guy. See? What a beautiful Journalist. Memory. Beautiful mind. <laughs> Journalist. Bear trap mind. Um, uh, once Bury Me Sandy's out, that's, that's it. That's the final chapter of the explosion. Yeah. Uh, six months after that, I'll probably be receiving a gold record in the mail. Oh, they're, they're going to submit it? No, that's a, a complete joke. <laughs> Do you think that the, the songs that got cut will ever see the light of day? Three, or yeah. I think all of the... Or they're already out there. I think all those songs are out there. Okay. Somehow. Uh, I swear that I, we didn't have anything to do with leaking them, but people would always like... I get like random text messages or emails like, hey, that record's so awesome. And I would think, well, that may be true, but how the fuck did you hear it? <laughs> And then I was talking to Dave about it. He's like, idiot, that's been on the internet since like the moment we were done recording it. So so it's out there. So gotcha, those songs gotcha. are available. On, uh, I'll put them out there. I have <laughs> I was the one to put them out there. Yeah. On my, on my, on my copy that I literally think has a, a white stick-on cover. I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know if, if Chunks all would, I suppose that they, we would release them in some capacity. There's no plan to. Gotcha. But. Are you doing? You said you had two hundred vinyl that you sold at the show. Were they limited pressings? Yeah, that they edition? were like on. Uh, it was. Uh, I don't know if it was all of them. At least a hundred of them were on kind of uh, green and pink marble vinyl. Nice. They're pretty awesome. 
saw one go for 76 bucks on eBay. I think uh-huh. it was a scam, though, because I think someone bought a, f- a couple of them, did some bidding on their own to up the yeah. value. Because as soon as th- that one sold and another one went up and there was no one bought it. I bet you was that Yep dude from Sword yep. Wars. Yeah. Yep. He was probably selling it and bidding it up. He seems like that kind of a dude. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> I only know, I only, the, the amount of the show I've watched is just YouTube clips so I can hear him say that, so I can justify me saying it. I like the Pawn Stars. There's a clip of the the guy Rick, the ball guy from Pawn Stars, just doing his like wheezy laugh, like a million of them. Where he's like, <laughs> you, you guys watch? I don't show? watch Pawn Stars. And I, I watch people way love too much. I like hardcore Pawn, which is the one that takes place in Detroit's Eight Mile. Because um, and it's a reality Pawn so, Stars. There's such there's such a deep sadness in that in explaining it that way. <laughs> there really is. You know, one of the saddest thing I watch it on this. This is so much sadder than that. I watch it and chat with strangers about the show with my roommates. I wasn't saying that's sad for you. I'm oh, just saying it's like, sad for me. It, it's it's <laughs> bad enough that you're going to f- feature a show about people like pawning their goods so that they can survive. But do you really have to be so? Um, does it have to take place in Detroit? We know, guys. We know it's it's bleak. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Put the show somewhere else. And yeah, it's. It's pretty, and they always talk about people are coming from casinos and stuff. I guess there's a lot of casinos around there. Yeah, there's one right smack in the middle. of the So it's track. literally people coming in. They're like, we get a lot of people from casinos, like pawning all their stuff to go. So back weird to the that casino. they don't have a more thriving economy. <laughs> hmm. Well, this this pawn store is doing great. It seems. <laughs> so, well, good. Yeah, some beacon of good. hope. <laughs> yeah, and you see that uh, I think Sci-Fi is putting out the the comic book guy, Kevin Smith's comic book store has a reality show now. Oh, does really? he actually own a comic book store, he or does he two. own it for... No, they're his. He has one in Red Bank. It's called Kevin's Secret Stash, and I think he has one in L.A. And it's the guys... Those guys had a podcast, too, who run the store, right? Yeah, and it's part of his whole podcast yeah. network. Someday. So is it Clerks? Is Someday. Uh, no, they like bringing stuff. People bring in, and, and they look at the value, and like, oh, this is a rare comic, and this... Didn't you do a pilot for that same show, like, Pretty much, ago? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, all the, and the guys who put the pilot are probably losing their minds. What right are your now. guys' favorite comics? I'm, inter- I'm interested to know. I, Steven knows way more about me. I really just only know stuff Steven got me into. But I really um, like Transmetropolitan. I, I was, was uh, awesome. I got an iPad. I got a comic reader, because I needed something to do, and I started reading Transmetropolitan. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Hey, that's my favorite writer, Warren Ellis pretty good it, that's a good one what other ones do you, would you recommend um there the guy who writes walking dead um uh why am i blanking robert kirkman is that it shit uh he he has a comic book called invincible that's just it's a it's a whole new take on being a super what a superhero is which right. is exceptional and it's a kid whose dad's a superhero and his powers develop and he's like it's about time and it's and it's all superhero puberty of sorts, pretty much. But it's okay. what he goes through. And, and first, you start reading it like this is kind of cheesy and silly. And then it gets really. It's kind of like Walking Dead. It gets really. It's a, it's a different avenue. It's like a different angle on what it is. You know, um, that, to be a superhero. That's what I liked about the boys too. Oh, the boys is great. Which is like kind of the behind the scenes of being a superhero and all the weird like fu- fucked up stuff that happens like right. behind closed doors. You like the boys, Garth yeah. Ennis. Get that on your comic right. reader. Yeah, that's a really good one. Boys is good. There, there's a couple of uh, books that get really like government introspective. Like he gets he like he created this whole deep conspiracy. Right. Basically, basically, it's it's a planet where there's tons of superheroes, but they're all kind of left unchecked, and they're pretty much like people. They're just a bunch of bastards. Right. But there's a like a secret group called the boys, and their job is to keep the superheroes in check. Interesting. 
that they might have their own dubious. Did you bird. read Super Gods? Yeah. That was awesome, too. Oh, no. Oh, no. The Graham Morrison book? Yeah. No, I haven't read that yet. Well, but he I, talks about it a lot, like how he r- started writing himself into comic books and then he couldn't. He started doing all these psychedelics and couldn't tell who was a character and who was him. Like, wow. he started yeah. dressing See, like people, his character. Sounds involved. People yeah. come all over Grant Morrison, and I, I, I don't like him as much as everybody else does. I like Warren Ellis and Neil Gaiman much better. Um, but then again, I'm a big dumb nerd, so <laughs> that's just my way of thinking. I think comic books are have a bit of a nerdish quality to them. Transmetropolitan, man. That, that's Yeah, that's a good way. You should check out one of the conventions. It'll totally change your mind. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, pro- that's probably true. That's I, probably true. I took, Jonah, I took Jonah to a convention and it happened to be, I think, the year that just they decided to book Sadness as a guest. Oh, man. It was so rough. There was a wall of people of, of people that get shit signed and it was like here's lou frigno with no one in line oh here at the other end is peter mayhew chewbacca with no one in you know, line though, if you're gonna charge people a lot of money for your signature i kind of don't feel bad if no one shows up you should be in sports yeah it's a good, i mean I, I back that although i would want to get lou frigno's signature but how much would you pay for lou frigno's signature ten dollars no, fuck that. I wouldn't pay $10. I'd pay $0. He should be exactly. happy that I want it. Exactly. He should be happy talking about it. Yes. I, yeah. Nerd hey, alert. When, when, shut up. <laughs> We're not going to take everything we've recorded and overproduce it. <laughs> well, that would be fitting, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, you auto tune your whole track. That's fun. <laughs> that would be really funny if, if one of us was just auto tuned the entire time. It would get so annoying in about three seconds. <laughs> okay. I feel like, yeah, it's, it would be annoying now. Um, so, when are you guys going to do another show? Uh, as I said earlier, that won't be happening. Just trying to see if, like, throughout it, my enthusiasm. The record been... does come out on February fourteenth on Chunks All Records. So cool. Do you need a drummer for your hardcore band? Because uh, I'm sure you know somebody, but if not, I could ask around. No, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I, th- uh, I thought we had one. But let, let me talk. Let me check with Dave, and I'll get back to you. Because you probably want you someone... can pass me along that person's name. You probably want someone who could play, so it's not the person I'm thinking of. <laughs> but if we do need indeed need someone, I'll let you know so you can give me that person's information. I'm just excited that you're gonna you're thinking about recording music again. Yeah, but we've been talking about it for like a year now, so who knows if it's actually going to happen. That's all right. Brad's been bugging me to this podcast for two. Yeah, it's happened. Here we are. Sort of. yep. See? <laughs> it seems like it's really happening. Might just be an acid trip, though. <laughs> Dude, that's just philosophy 101. <laughs> what if we all slept through our alarms and are dreaming this together? <laughs> I would never sleep through my alarm. I'm far too responsible. <laughs> <laughs> what if, if our alarms haven't gone off yet? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> what if there is no alarm? What if it's all an alarm? All right, we have to stop because I have to go to my bed. <laughs> That's we have, it. We have to end because I have to go to my spin class. Wow. And it's not, it's so, oh an hour and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that's good work, guys. Thank you. Uh, if you're still listening, those of you tuning in, <laughs> congratulations on wasting your fucking time. <laughs> that's, that's the outro right there. Yeah. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> so, Matt Hawk. Again, what always impressed me for his punk rockdom and his singing ability and being a front man. But now I'm just impressed and jealous over his physique and workout regimen. Two indoor soccer leagues. Or no, wait. I don't know if it's indoor, but two soccer leagues. Yes. And then he does the spinning just to see if he can do it. (laughs) And he still has the coolest sounding voice. 
Yeah, and he is, if you saw the explosion originally, which I know you did a lot, like, he's the last person on Earth I thought would go that route. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> he was so out of control in the best way possible, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. He's he's a really together dude. If you have not listened to uh, the explosion, go check out their records. And also, um, I know we had uh, uh, Dave Haas on here. Dave Haas released a bunch of seven inches on five different labels, and Matt talks about it. He did all the graphic design for it. So check out a um, little podcast synergy. Yes, and check out Flash, Flash, Flash because that oh, is God. one of the just best punk records perfect recent memory for through, sure through and through yes love it love it love it uh next week on going off track more awesome see we don't tell you who's going to be on because we have a bunch of these recorded we can just release them whenever the hell we want no giving away the secrets <laughs> <laughs> you just hate germans brad <laughs> God, why does it always come back? And I don't. That's the thing. That's the end. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.